say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. <coughs> Come <coughs> along for the ride. Jim, he's <coughs> America. Jim Hinckley is America. Bit of a sneezing fit there this morning. Must be allergic to work. Hey, good morning, my friends. Starting the day off with a, this rainy morning here in Kingman, Arizona. 39 degrees. A little bit of music there from Joe and Woody and the boys of the road crew. Check out their tunes at roadcrew66.com. A little bit of road trip inspiration there in their music. Something we kind of enjoy around these parts. Hey, you know, today we're going to set the Wayback Machine. How many of you remember the Wayback Machine? What cartoon that was from? Uh, we're going to set the Wayback Machine to about uh, 105 years, 110 years or so ago. <sighs> Got this idea. Uh, Root Trip USA, some good friends of ours there, Stephen Disbrow and his wife Chantel, out of um, uh, London, England. I've been working with them. They put me to work as a consultant. They specialize in uh, bespoke road trip holidays in the United States and Canada. We've been having a discussion about, well, road trips. And that got me to thinking about some things, and uh, I've written a little bit about this, on how quickly... The world, but America specifically, took to the automobile. Consider this, you know, uh, in 1901, uh, Alexander Winton, now he was the president of uh, the pioneer, pioneering Winton Motor Carriage Company of Cleveland, Ohio. He inadvertently gave uh, Henry Ford a boost when Henry Ford was building his racers uh, at the turn of the 20th century, he, uh, him and Winton went head to head on a race and Ford bested him. And that kind of, you might say it was the catalyst for creation of the first, uh, the Henry Ford Motor Company, predecessor to Ford Motor Company. Anyway, in 1901, summer, August, Mr. Winton, with a uh, reporter from the Scientific American, uh, Charles Shanks, he decided that he wanted to prove the viability of the automobile, the need for improved roads, and he wanted to show that it was feasible to drive an automobile from coast to coast. Well, it didn't work. Uh, he made it from San Francisco into the deserts in Nevada after a just grueling punishment for man and machine and had to give up the ghost. This is uh, a reprint from the article in Scientific American. Having been with Mr. Winton on this trip, I saw and experienced things the likes of which automobile drivers in every civilized portion of the North American continent know not of, nor can an act of imagination be brought to picture the terrible abuse the machine had to take or the hardship its riders endured enforcing and fighting the way from San Francisco to that point in Nevada where the project was abandoned, where Mr. Winton had forced upon him the positive conviction that put an automobile across the sand hills of the Nevada desert 
was an utter impossibility under existing conditions. Now, that's just 19.1. Now, think of this dramatic transformation. Fast forward 14, 13, 14, 15 years. Emily Post. How many remember Miss Emily Post? Used to call her Miss Manners. Well, she took an epic road trip in uh, 1914, I believe it was. And her book was published in 1916. She took a trip in 1915. And it became a, uh, she turned it into a travel guide that became very popular and inspired a lot of people to take a similar trip. The uh, book is called By Motor to the Golden Gate by Emily Post. I was fortunate enough to pick up an original copy at one of my bookstores that I frequent. Uh, this book, published in 1916, has been reprinted, is available on Amazon.com. And I highly recommend it. It's, it's a great read. But like I said, in 1901, here's Alexander Winton trying to be the first person across the country and prove the viability of not only automobiles, but the Mint, uh, Winton automobile. And it, it, just as an example, uh, after 12 hours of on the road, severe experience and the rain still pouring down. Now, this is uh, uh, the article that was written in the August 1901 Scientific American. And this is, again, written by Charles Shanks, who accompanied Mr. Winton on this ill-fated journey. 12 hours, severe experience, the rain still pouring down, halt has made abreast of a lane leading to a ranchman's home. This ranchman is A.W. Butler. He came down to the road and replying to interrogations, tells us that to Rio Vista, nine miles ahead, the road is particularly bad. Arrangements are made for our staying all night with him. The machine is run in the barn. We eat supper with intense relish. We go to bed and we get up early to find more rain with the breaking up of the crowds with prospect of sunshine later. After 12 hours on the road, we had covered 45 miles. Pretty astounding. Now, like I say, we fast forward. Here's Emily Post, 1915. She wrote this wonderful, wonderful book. And I'm afraid this one's kind of coming apart on me. She's got maps and pictures. But she talks about Uh, it, it's really astounding. She was traveling the National Old Trails Road and she was headed for California and then up the coast of the Panama Pacific Exposition. And uh, here she is in a uh, place in Kansas, Goodwater, Kansas. I'm not sure where Goodwater, Kansas is. And she's talking about uh, there was only one railroad hotel in town. Uh, her and her girlfriend and with her nephew at the wheel driving chauffeur they stop at this railroad hotel and they're totally incensed and in leaving the proprietor of the hotel yells at them about uh that they're eastern uh, picky people uh prissy he says i have you know i run a reputable hotel quote the bedding in our rooms is changed at least monthly. And she goes on with a book. Uh, she, she, she just lavishes praise on the city of Santa Fe and became enamored with uh, the adventure. But it's astounding what was considered relatively normal 
at this time. Uh, this, by the way, was was the National Old Trails Road was one of the primary roads across the United States for tourists and travelers at this time. And the road was rerouted. Here in the Southwest, originally, the National Old Trails Road followed a trail to sunset that had been mapped out by A.L. Westgard about 1910. And the road had coursed uh, south from Albuquerque uh, to Socorro over to Magdalena, Springerville, and then diagonaled across Arizona through uh, Globe, the mining towns down that direction, to the Colorado River at Yuma, where it met the Ocean to Ocean Highway. And then the highway was rerouted, the National Old Trails Road, across northern Arizona and New Mexico following the railroad. One of the reasons that the uh, highway was routed across northern Arizona was, one, the, uh, one was the uh, uh, railroad hotels, some of the Harvey properties, things of that nature, were, were really crucial uh, for well, for, for travelers to have a place to stay and a, a good meal. And the other part was having access to the railroad uh, for repairs of vehicles, or when you destroyed your automobile, you could send the remains home or to your destination. And this is what happened to Emily Post. They started out with a brand new automobile. By the time they got to Eastern Arizona, this car was beat to death. And they literally had to put it on a train shipped to California for repairs. They continued their trip uh, by train to California. Now, with that backdrop, I mean, it was dramatically better than it was in 1901. There'd been a huge trans transition. Um, for example, it was relatively easy to buy gasoline. In uh, Alexander Winton's trip of 1901, they they'd run out of gas, and uh, Mr. Shanks talks about it several times. He would walk five, six, seven, eight miles to get a few gallons of gas and the price was just extraordinary 40 cents a gallon mind you at the time in detroit gas was about eight or nine cents a gallon now against this backdrop it's it, it always amazes me that people were so daring to do these things uh one of my favorite stories is effie hotchkiss they too traveled across the united states in 1915 from New York, and they were headed to the Panama Pacific Exposition in San Francisco. Uh, I should note that the organizers of that event in California, uh, in an interview, they noted that more than 20,000 people attended the event from outside the state of California, and they arrived by automobile. But uh, Effie and her mother, Avis, well, they, they, they definitely stole the show on this one. Uh, this is 1915. <clears throat> On May 2nd, 1915, uh, Effie and Avis, they left Brooklyn, New York for the Panama Pacific Exposition. Guess what they were riding? A new 1915 Harley-Davidson F-11 motorcycle with a sidecar equipped for, quote, her rotund mother. She was quoted in, in an article about in the magazine, Harley-Davidson Enthusiast, we merely wanted to see America and considered that the three-speed Harley-Davidson for myself 
and sidecar for mother luggage supplies, tools, were best suited for the job. Effie, Effie was very, very qualified for this trip. Uh, she had learned to ride and repair her motorcycle long before taking this trip. And she had badgered the folks at Harley-Davidson into uh, letting her into their training program as a Harley-Davidson mechanic. So she was very well you know, equipped for this trip. But still, two women, 1915, driving across the United States on a motorcycle. And by the way, uh, they apparently were the first women to ever complete a coast-to-coast trip on a motorcycle in the United States. Uh, improvisation, that was key to any kind of travel in those years. She writes about uh, that after she ran out of inner tube spares, which were a necessity, uh, they sent out, settled on an innovative solution. They cut down their bedroll, rolled it up, and stuffed it into the tire to continue on their way. Uh, inclement, rainy weather, 100 degree temperatures in, the, in Utah and Nevada deserts. Didn't seem to matter. They kept going. Uh, Harley Davidson covered her trip for obvious reasons. There was uh, great publicity in this story. Effie was also proficient with a pistol, and she made use of that with a rattlesnake, a wolf, and a coyote that they encountered on the trip. Well, it was in August 1915 when they finally made it to the Pacific Ocean, three months after the start of their journey. And if that's not enough, they turned around and drove back to Brooklyn, and they made it home in October 1915. They managed to cover about 9,000 miles. Effie and Avis were not the only female motorcycle pioneers during this period. There were other women out there doing things like uh, Della Crew. And uh, she and a passenger, they took turns driving. They went from Waco, Texas to New York City in 1914. And the Van Buren sisters, they became quite famous. They were... They were the first women to ride individual motorcycles across the United States in 1916. And of course, one of the, one of the real, real uh, pioneers in this, uh, Bessie Stringfield, this is the gal you need to look up. In 1930, she rode solo all through the United States, uh, 10,000 miles. She also rode through South America on her motorcycle, Cuba and other places. What makes Bessie Stringfield particularly interesting, she was an African-American woman. So that's, a, you know, quite a pioneering accomplishment. Some years ago, uh, 2015 to be exact, I assisted the Historic Vehicle Association in a uh, pretty daring project. They were recreating Edsel Ford's uh, 1915 trip from California, from Michigan to the Panama Pacific Exposition in San Francisco. And they were doing this in a 1915 Ford and they, with the uh, correct period type camping equipment and repair kits. And they were trying to drive as much of the original roads as possible. My friends, I have to tell you, I was impressed. 
I would have to do some damn serious drinking to take my Jeep into some of the places they took that 1915 Ford. But it sure gave me some insight into what travel was like in 1915. And uh, interestingly enough, as a little bit of a footnote, a week after I helped get their Model T across western Arizona, up through the Black Mountains of uh, Arizona on National Trails Road, Route 66, uh, I had a friend of mine come to Kingman with a Tesla, and we drove the same road. You talk about a study in contrast. Let me just give you a couple excerpts here. Now, mind you, uh, Edsel Ford and his college buddies were headed for California. Edsel and a couple friends, they drove the uh, 1915 Ford, brand new, of course. Uh, accompanying him was Thomas C. Whitehead and Horace Calkins, Jr., uh, Calkins was the son of Elmo Calkins, who had founded the first advertising agency that specialized strictly in automotive advertising and marketing. And there was a trio of cars involved here. Herbert Book and Robert Gray, uh, Edsel's friends from college, they tagged along driving a brand new 1915 Cadillac touring car with V8 engine. And Frank Book and William Russell, they had stopped in Indiana to pick up uh, a new car at the Stutz factory and uh, then accompanied their friends west. Uh, the Stutz 6 F Touring was a highly advanced car. It was a high-performance car. It raced at Indianapolis. And judging by this book, their uh, Edsel's Journal, which I should say this uh, Edsel's Journal was gifted to me, a copy for my assistance with the... Uh, Historic Vehicle Association's Edsel Ford trip. And uh, the Stutz apparently was not suited for these kind of things. Uh, let's see here. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, this is direct quotes from Edsel's journal. Albuquerque, New Mexico, Wednesday, July 7th, 1915. Walked to the garage to get cable. Met Ford dealer. Interviewed by no newspaper. Started west at 11.30 a.m. Went through the Indian villages of Isleta. Went to Berlin. Had sandwich. Fixed our second blowout of the day in the hot sun. Uh, we followed the Cadillac. To help keep the car cool, we had strapped our hood to the back of the car. We'd lost our hood along the road, but found it after losing some time. Had supper at Socorro. Talked to Mr. Hindi on telephone from Albuquerque. Our friends are still stuck there with their Stutz waiting repairs. The Stutz spent more time apparently in the garage and being shipped on the train than driven. But uh, that's another story for another day. Uh, Thursday, July 8th, 1915. Camp near Socorro, New Mexico. Broke camp at 7 o'clock. Drove to Magdalena. Had breakfast at Aragon Hotel, left at 10.15, and traveled 40 miles without seeing a house. Only had one flat tire, repaired Magneto Terminal, bought two gallons of gasoline at Cuomato, 40 cents, highest price paid since leaving Detroit. Arrived in Springerville, Arizona at 6.30. Bought gas and oil at Becker's, had supper, and started. 
Blind horse tried to kick us in the ditch at St. John. Pitched tent amongst the tarantulas. Scared to death. H.J. Calkins sleeps in the back of the Cadillac. Our camp is located 20 miles west of St. John's, Arizona. Days run 206 miles. Uh, one of the things I want to mention here, the original alignment of Route 60, uh, the National Trails Road, it went through Springerville, Arizona. Uh, in the 20s, just about the time Route 66 was coming into being, a uh, statue was commissioned. It was called Madonna of the Trail, celebrating the pioneer women of the West. And uh, it was agreed and <coughs> proved by the president of the National Old Trails Highway Association, Harry Truman, who went on to become president of the United States, that a, uh, these statues would be put up, one in each state through the National Old Trails, uh, through which the National Old Trails Road passed, from Maryland all the way to California. Uh, two of these are on Route 66, one in Upland, California, one in Albuquerque. The one in Arizona is in Springerville, Arizona. Now, what's interesting about this is, by this time, the time the statues went in, that section of the road had been bypassed by for years. Well, in research for the recent uh, Kingman Historic District walking tour, I learned that that statue was originally supposed to go in Kingman, Arizona. But for reasons unknown, well, there was got somebody got in a pissing match with Mr. Harry Truman, and uh, Springerville stepped in and, well, they won the day. They got to claim it for their own. Uh, the next day, Friday, July 9th, broke up Camp Tarantula at 5.15, drove 40 miles uh, through the petrified forest to Holbrook, took car to garage, went to Little Giant Cafe for breakfast, had rods tightened and rear axle examined, found chewed up ring and pinion, got going at 1 o'clock, rough roads to Winslow, Three flat tires, saw Crater Mountain, had lunch at Harvey Hotel at Winslow, Ford Garage, very good, bought gas and oil, drove until dark, stayed with Cadillac crew in camp until 9.30, then left for Flagstaff, got lost in the woods, inquired at Rangers, arrived at our hotel 11 p.m., day's run, 152 miles. Pretty crazy stuff. Here's one of my favorite entries that really, really sum up uh, Edsel's trip. Let's see if I can find this real quick. <coughs> uh, Grand Canyon, Arizona, Tuesday, July 13th, 1915. We set out for Flagstaff at 11 o'clock a.m. At four and a half miles out, Ford broke the rear axle shaft. We sent for a new one by hotel chauffeur who happened to come along. I should clear this up. His friends in the Stutz had made had their car shipped. They were waiting for them in Flagstaff. And his friends in the Cadillac had left pre the day before uh, to Flagstaff to meet with the friends from the Stutz. So Edsel and his team, they're out here by themselves in the woods. Sent for a new one by hotel chauffeur who happened to come along. When it arrived, we found we had no wheel puller, so could not put the new shaft in. All tossed coin, odd man to walk back to hotel for a wheel puller. Tom Whitehead was odd and started. 
After he got back with one, we had difficulty in removing the gear from the broken shaft. He walked to the garage to be put on new shaft. Hotel chauffeur returned him to the car, started assembling axle at 6 p.m., went together slowly in the dark, got going at 10.15 p.m. Only food we had all day was can of beans and box of crackers for the three of us. Had puncture 19 miles from Williams. We arrived at 2 o'clock in the morning. Got good meal at lunch counter. Harvey Hotel filled. Sheriff's direct us to a third-rate rooming house. Only one room was left, for, occupied by the three of us. Two in the bed, one on the floor. Pretty astounding. And these are the rich kids. Can you imagine how the poor folks travel? Road trips have definitely changed. And here in America, you know, the, the fad for road trips, the passion kind of waned starting, oh, in the 70s and 80s. And uh, can't really blame folks. I mean, that's the, the interstate highway era. And uh, I think it was Charles Kralt said the interstate highway made it co uh, possible to go to coast to coast and never see anything. Road trips got boring. COVID kind of changed that. People started rediscovering the road trip. Uh, American people. Of course, Route 66 is the exception to the rule. And Rhodes had its own uh, fan club for many, many, many years. Well, I wanted to give you that snapshot, share a bit of that with you. Road trips in uh, a previous generation. If you find yourself on a great road trip adventure, especially along Route 66, you need to uh, make two from carry New Mexico a destination. Not just a stop, a destination. <clears throat> so you want about 10,000 reasons why? Check out their website, visittucumcarrynm.com. And if you want to take the hassle and worry out of planning a great road trip holiday in the United States or Canada, you can always call my good friends at uh, Road Trip USA out of uh, London, England. It's... Uh, I've got a link on the uh, Facebook on my uh, website, jimhinkleysamerica.com. You can find them on Facebook. Just look for rootTripUSA.com UK. And uh, they specialize in worry-free, hassle-free road trip holidays in the United States and uh, Canada. Hey, is there any anything I can any questions today? Anything I can answer for you? Any uh Thoughts, ideas, suggestions. Uh, this is your opportunity to put in your 10 cents worth. It used to be two cents worth, but now with inflation, things are a little bit higher. If not, well, I guess I could bid you adios and uh, we'll do this again next week. Same time, same place. I always enjoy our get-togethers on Sunday morning. It gives me a chance to beat my gums a tad bit. And, well, telling people where to go, sharing America's story. That's what I do best. Me amigos, thank you. Thank you for joining me this morning. And, uh, well, I guess we'll see you next week. Take care, my friends.
say hello to a new <coughs> friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. Hey, and don't forget, uh, Car Talk from the Main Street of America Friday morning, our automotive program, and uh, both this podcast and that one are available on Spotify and iHeartRadio and major podcast platforms. And of course, we have embedded players now on the Jim Hinckley's America website, so you can listen to programs anytime, anytime your heart desires. Uh, we've got all the programs archived there. Uh it's uh, jimhinkleysamerica.com. Well, my friends, until we meet again next week, if I can deal with me, amigos, adios.